But today I want to talk about an active hope. I really felt like hope at times in our life is this passive thing. It's something that we do while we're just sitting and waiting. That hope can be this inactive, passive waiting where we really don't know that there's involvement from us. And I found that this waiting, this sitting by waiting kind of hope isn't the kind of hope that we're encouraged by in the word. We have an active hope. A a hope that is moving, that we are together with the Lord, hoping intentionally. That it is not this sitting by and waiting that we can often feel like we're in. And so today our big idea is that hope is active and prayerful. Hope is active and prayerful. Hope is confident in God's will. It's not a confidence in our strength or our energy that we're gonna strive and we can open doors that can't be opened by anybody else. No, it's, it is a resting, but it is an active hope in God prayerfully that we are confident in God's will. No matter what is happening around us, we are confident that his will will prevail. Amen? I want to turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5. Our first point is that we were created to be hopeful. We were created to be hopeful. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Paul says rejoice in our suffering. How many of you rejoice in your suffering? What is he talking about? He says suffering produces perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. He says that at the end of your suffering, is hope. That makes no sense. At the end of suffering, it should be hopelessness, shouldn't it? No, because what happens here is that suffering turns you inward and turns you upward. And when you begin to suffer, you have a decision to make. You either persevere or you give up. And in that decision, if you choose to persevere, then suffering produces perseverance. And then if you choose to stay in it, it'll produce character. And if you choose to stay in it and allow your character to be shaped, you become hopeful. And so hope is a product. 
Hope is not the beginning, it is actually the end of a process that begins with suffering. And so suffering produces perseverance if you choose to stay, which will produce character, which will make you hopeful. But on the opposite side of hope is disappointment. Disappointment. Paul says hope doesn't disappoint. So on the flip side of hope, is disappointment. Now, disappointment is a position of the heart in a season of waiting. Disappointment looks back. Hope looks forward. Disappointment looks at what has happened in our life up until this point, our experiences, our situations, our relationships, and disappointment feeds off of our past. Disappointment keeps us stuck. Disappointment keeps us frozen. Hope, however, looks forward. Hope is moving, it is active. While disappointment wants to keep you looking back so that you will kind of stumble over the things that are in your life, hope keeps you moving forward. I asked my son Caleb, I wanted a a wise sage for the sermon. So I invited my son Caleb in. He's somewhat of a deep thinker. He's nine. I said, Caleb, have you ever been disappointed? And he said, yes. You remember that time when we drove to the cabin and we went to A&W and they forgot to give us the onion rings? I said, vaguely, but okay. And then he said this, I wanna quote him so I don't misquote him. Plus I owe him $20 because I called him out in the sermon. So I wanna make sure I get it right. Listen to this. He said, every time we go to the cabin, they forget to give us our onion rings. And then he said this, do you ever remember a time when they didn't forget the onion rings? I think this happened once. I said to him, do you think they'll forget again? He said, yup. It's never going to change. I then said, this is a dark hole. This is an onion ring hole we're digging ourselves into. We gotta come out of this red robin tower of onion rings because we're going deeper and deeper into disappointment. I said, can you think of a hopeful statement, Caleb? And he said, I hope they actually give us our onion rings. (laughs) I said, good, Let's, let's go with that. But what's interesting is that disappointment was keeping Caleb from ever going back to A&W. He was frozen in that moment. He had actually developed thought patterns of what was going to possibly happen one day based on what happened to him, and it all was around disappointment. However, his statement of hope, I hope they give us these onion rings, or actually, 
I hope they actually give us the onion rings. What does that force him to do? Go back to A&W. See, one keeps you frozen, stuck, disappointed. This is just the way it's always going to be. While the other keeps you moving forward, looking for solutions, expecting a different result. So how do we sit in disappointment but remain hopeful? Well, I believe there's three active ways that we can be hopeful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 22. Paul says this. Rejoice always, verse 16. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. There are three practical commands here for each one of us, and each one of these is practical, and each one of these can be done every day by every one of us. That the Christian walk was not meant to be complicated, and Paul highlights, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Number one, rejoice always. This is actually the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament. And some say, no, it's Jesus wept. No, Jesus wept is the shortest in the English New Testament. But this is the shortest verse. And it's whoever came up with the delineation of verses, it wasn't Paul, by the way. But they, they felt, oh, this is so important, it's its own. And pray without ceasing. This is, this is so important, it's its own verse, right? So these are, these are important, that we rejoice always. Rejoice here is not an outward expression when you're like on a roller coaster in Disneyland. It's not when you're in Hawaii. It's not when you win the lottery. It's not when you get that wage increase, but amen, hallelujah. I mean, those are times to be emotionally excited. The word rejoice here is actually a calm happiness. It's an internal joy. It's an I'm going to be all right and I can smile in his presence. And it's this posture that we would rejoice always. Paul says elsewhere in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Here, Paul gives us even further direction that we don't rejoice alone. We rejoice in the Lord. We are calmly joyful in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Paul writes that from a jail in Philippi. To rejoice in the Lord means I can rejoice in prison, 
in the same way I can rejoice in the comfort of my own home because I'm not rejoicing in circumstance. I'm not rejoicing in situations. I'm rejoicing in a person. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Secondly, we're encouraged by Paul to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray nonstop, constant communication with the Lord. He says in Ephesians 6, to pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, that there is this constant ongoing prayer in the spirit. When we run out of words, when we don't have the words to pray, we pray in the spirit. When we're you know, fearful at night in the darkness and anxiety might be overwhelming us and fear is overwhelming us and we don't see a solution and we don't see a way out, we pray in the spirit. That our spirit cries out to the Father. And as you pray in the spirit, you pray the will of God because the Holy Spirit is praying through you. So we have a joyful hope. We have a prayerful hope, one that continues to pray. And thirdly, we have a thankful hope that we give thanks in all circumstance. I remember when I was in university and I was looking for a spouse. Anyone ever been there? I went to university and they told me it was a three to one ratio of women to men. So I thought my chances are, are gonna be good at Trinity Bridal College. Now that's what they used to call it, at Trinity Western University. And so I was hunting, you know, I was on the hunt. And uh, needless to say, I uh, tried my hand a few times and uh, spoke to a few girls while I was in university. And I would always talk to my, my now wife, Sonia, about these girls, which is quite ironic. And there was three in particular. I won't name them. They're probably watching. <laughs> might throw a dart at the uh, computer screen right now. But I remember I was, I, I had a fear of being alone. I couldn't be left with myself. <laughs> Anyone been there? Yep. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> Just this fear of being alone, like am I ever gonna find somebody? And so I went out on a, I had a, a longer relationship to begin with, but then I went out on a few dates and every date I went on, I was like, this is the one. We've been on a date. And time after time, they were not the one. And Sonia would tell me that. And then one day she said to me, are you actually falling for them or are you just falling for your idea of what you think they'll become? <sighs> Girl, I mean, her name means wisdom, but I didn't expect that. I'm the emotional Italian. I'm like, I love you, I love you, I love you. We're married, we're married, we're married. She's like, really? 
And then the Lord said, you've been taking detours for a long time, but Sonia's the road. You see, my, my striving, trying to make something happen, was never going to lead to God's will. God's will was a resting in. And as I rested in the Lord, and I began to pray for my future spouse and give it to God, I realized Sonia had already been in my life and she was right there. I was looking for something that had already been found. I think in our lives as well, there's this striving to find that can lead to great disappointment. This morning as I was preparing this message, the Lord said, I, I have a word for someone and I, I won't call you out right now, but there's, there's a couple here that have been trying to have a baby and you've been trying for a long time and it hasn't been successful and you've been very disappointed and that disappointment has left you in mental anguish, emotional brokenness. Disappointment has led to despair, discouragement, disillusionment, a God, why are you out there? Are you even out there type of response? And I wanted to encourage you, if you're watching online or if you're in the room, I won't ask you to stand, but I just felt the Lord wanted you to just release it and rest. And he will bring you the desires of your heart. If that's a word for you this morning, just receive it. Won't have you stand up or come forward or any of that, but just receive it. Third, give thanks in all circumstance. Thanksgiving means words of gratefulness for what you have. It's to, as Paul says in Colossians, it's to continue steadfastly in prayer, knowing the will of God or being watchful with thanksgiving. So being watchful with thanksgiving is that we position our hearts. Thanksgiving is, Lord, thank you for what I have. Again, disappointment can be a, a posture of lack of what I don't have or what I want or what I need or what I desire or whatever. But thanksgiving has this amazing way of just starting to open up places in you to see what you have, what God has brought to you, what he has done for you. Thankfulness is a look backward, but because it's in thanksgiving, it actually positions you to hope forwardly. So it's God, thank you for my family and thank you for my home and thank you for my children and thank you for friends at church and thank you for this. And, and as you thank God and you go through this thankfulness, you, you're, you're bringing to awareness all the things God has brought to you and that positions you for hoping for what he's going to bring to you. And so we have a joyful hope we have a prayerful hope and then this third piece is so important that we have a thankful hope 
a thankful hope. And so Paul says, though, that there's even more, as if these three are not amazing enough to rejoice always and to pray always and to thank always, but Paul says there's also a result of this. He says this in verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. So he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. How many of you have ever cried out for the will of God? Yeah. Well, here he goes. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the will of God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Then he goes on to say, do not quench the spirit. Do not extinguish the spirit. I desperately want to know the will of God for my life, for my wife, for my family, for my children, for you, my my church, my community. I want to know the will of God for my friends. I want to know the will of God for people that come to me and they're like, what is the will of God? I want to know too. And I cry out in seasons, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, what do you want me to do? I can't take it no more. (laughs) What do you want me to do, Lord? And I felt the Lord say this to me. Joel, sometimes you quench the spirit. And I'm like, whoa, not me, Lord. I don't quench the spirit. I love the freedom of the spirit and I love the fire of the spirit and I love seeing spiritual gifts. I don't quench the spirit. I will never quench the spirit. This is that Peter moment in your life where you're like, Lord, that's not for me. I don't quench the spirit. And then the Lord asked me three questions in prayer. Are you joyful? Are you prayerful? And are you thankful? While you're hoping, while you're anticipating, if you are not joyful, prayerful, and thankful, the result of that is you actually quench the spirit. It's as if the Holy Spirit needs avenues of joy. This is a whole nother sermon because there's verses about the joy and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in prayer. That's why you pray in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes on thankfulness. And so while we don't think we're quenching the spirit theologically, we are quenching the spirit because of our lack of joy, our lack of prayer, and our lack of thanksgiving. And the amazing thing about this is that if the will of God is to be joyful, to be prayerful, and to be thankful, any one of us can do the will of God. It's accessible. It's accessible, it just requires me to change. And in that is where my character changes. 
and I become hopeful. I want to close with, with this. I'm going to jump down to our, our last point. Our hope is that he hears our prayer. 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15 says this, and this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we ask of him. In other words, God hears prayers that are according to his will. God hears prayers that are according to his will. And if God hears us, he answers us. So we have this confidence. And I think God hears prayers that are not according to his will as well. But this verse tells us, so if you want to disagree with it, you can disagree with the Bible. This verse tells us that the confidence we have when praying that he hears us is when we're praying the will of God. And so really, really, uh, this is the way I want to posture my heart in 2022. I felt these three ways in 2022 of being joyful, prayerful, and thankful is that when I come into prayer, I need to check my heart and I need to say, Lord, I want to be joyful. I want to be thankful, Lord. I want to pray in the spirit, Lord. And, and so as I do those things, I, I am entering in conscious of my own heart and I pray in the spirit and I'm confident then that he hears my prayer and he will answer my prayer. And this is my hope. So this is my active hope. This is not my passive hope. This is not me wondering one day if I'm going to know. It's that when I come into his presence in joy and I come into his presence often in prayer, always without ceasing, and I come into his presence with thanksgiving in my heart, I come into his courts with praise. He hears me and he will answer me. So my prayer for you this morning is that the, as you hope, you would actively hope and I want to pray for you at this time as the worship team comes up. Father, I thank you for the gift of communicating with you, Lord. I thank you that we can hear you speak. I thank you that you want communion with us, that you want to speak to our hearts, Lord, that you love when we come into your presence, Lord. I thank you for the promises found in your word, Lord, that we can find joy in you, that our prayer in the spirit stirs up the spirit instead of quenching the spirit. And that as we are thankful, remembering what you've done in our lives, Lord, that positions us in faith for what you're going to do, Lord. And we hope from that place. I pray for those here even now, Lord, that are hoping, longing, those that might be disappointed, those that might be stuck, those that are in a season of waiting but they are wavering in their waiting, disappointed, discouraged, Lord, I pray that you would come to them right now as a hope for them. 
we rejoice in the Lord always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.